Mortgages should be illegal because you're getting robbed every month. With a typical $200,000 30-year mortgage, you'll end up paying over $400,000 after interest. Hi, I'm John Commuta, creator of the Transforming Debt into Wealth System. My proven system can eliminate your mortgage and all your debts. Let me send you a powerful free CD. For your free CD, call 1-800-933-2911. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Dream Reality New Earth Radio, reminding you that the choice is yours. I'm Dr. Dream with my co-host Ilya Nabatovsky, and now on with the show. Dr. Dream, and I am the host this evening on Dream Reality New Earth Radio, and my co-host is... And I am Ilya Nabutovsky. Hey, Dr. Dream, how long has it been? It's been a couple of weeks now. How are you? It's been more than a couple of weeks. It's been three weeks. I feel like we're. I've been on like sabbatical or vacation, except things have been so busy it's hard to say I've been on vacation, but you know what I'm saying. It's like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yes, brother. Uh, so much has happened since the last time we, we did a radio show, and wow, what a what a radio show we have tonight. I mean, I don't think we've ever had this many people looking forward to what we have coming up. Well, we're going to get into introducing our guest in a little bit, but um, he is... Well, let, let's. I, I'm going to save all of that for the introduction. But you know, it has been three weeks, Ilya, and, and my gosh, it seems like. I mean, three weeks in these days is you know probably like you know a year. You know, in in the the of the past. Uh, you know what I'm trying to say here. I'm trying to say something. Um, and so a lot has been going on. I want to hear you now. Now you did an event. Um, the first East Coast Portal to Ascension event um, in New York. Is that right? Yeah, and um, it's you know it's taken me quite some time to actually do this event because I left California, as you know, at uh, the end of May. And since that time, I've been planning to step out there and do something on my own. And I finally... Finally, took it took me a while, but I got the courage to actually make an event, and I made it happen. And it happened on uh, December 5th, which was a little over a week ago, and it was called Portal to Ascension, Shifting into Love. And it was an amazing, incredible event. Um, we had about 20 people attending. Um, it was very heart-opening, very expansive, and everybody absolutely loved it. Um, and so I'm, I'm really grateful that I was able to really get over that hurdle and really step into my power and do what I know I came here to do. I love it. 
first off, California hasn't been the same since you left. Second off, um, I don't want to say that I'm proud of you. Me, I do. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I hope I get a little better grip on words this evening. Um, I am proud of you, Ilya, and, and you are stepping out there, and you are fully stepping into your role, and um, I love it. I absolutely, absolutely love it. Now, I want to know something else. Um, you and Miriam Delicato are still doing work together. Is that right? Yeah, we are still working together on the Great Gathering uh, radio show. Now, and things are really think, things are really coming together with all the her her whole project, the Great Gathering, right? Oh, absolutely. We're getting a lot more attention now, and she's been a little busy nowadays. But we're definitely moving forward, and we're definitely also looking forward to uh, doing our uh, Great Gathering radio show, as well as um, all the other multifaceted. Um, projects that are associated with the Great Gathering. So it's all very, very exciting. Um, but I want to uh, bring you into this conversation, and I know that you are actually planning on coming here to the East Coast uh, very soon. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we are in the, in the planning stages for uh, bringing uh, myself and uh, Laura Eisenhower um, Brad Johnson, who channels Adronis, and uh, all being spearheaded by uh, Neil, and with your um, assistance there on the East Coast, we're we're coming out there in January. We're going to do, I think, maybe three or four dates um, in and around New York City, and um, this is exciting. Uh, it must be exciting because. We're coming there in January, which is not quite, you know, it's like here we are in sunny California and coming out to New York City in January. You know, I lived in New York for, for seven years. I am so excited to be coming back. I have um, in the past brought um, the Galactivation experience to New York City, but um, it's, this, is, this is really taking it up a level. So, um, oh, yeah. It, it's really, really exciting, and and um, you know we get to we get to hang out with you. Yeah, and we've we haven't hung out in so long. And another thing I want to mention is that um, we've actually started calling it a galactivation uh, just about a year ago uh, when we went to San Francisco. I believe it was sometime in December, if I'm correct. It was December like third or sixth in um, San Jose. You and I had that like outrageous experience yeah and um you know you know as well as i do that things have never been the same again and every galactivation has just been an incredible experience as i've mentioned in the previous show that if you've never experienced one um definitely come out if you're on the east coast come out to new york and experience it um you will not regret it yeah, that's I, I appreciate you saying that and we're gonna have some fun with this. I mean we're there there's for me there's an energy well, everywhere, but I mean New York City just really strikes a chord with me. Um and so to be back there and to be with um Brad and Neil and of course Laura, um and you um I mean this is it, it's it's basically just another one of Doctor Dream's dreams come true. Absolutely, brother. And I'm just so excited about tonight. Um, we have such an amazing guest, and 
we've had um, an, a great experience meeting uh, this individual, and I'd like to hand it off uh, to you, uh, brother, and have you introduce tonight's guest for us. Ilya, you're awesome. It's been three weeks since we did a show, and still you don't miss a beat, keeping me in in alignment with time and and uh, an awesome segue and everything, and I appreciate that. And yes, indeed, um, about 18 months ago, I was unaware of uh, tonight's guest, and uh, well, let's say 20 months ago, and um, from you and and Neil, I learned quite a bit about Alfred Weber, and um, I, I thought that uh, everything I was learning about him was fascinating. Little did I know, shortly after all of that, um, the three of us would be guests at Alfred and Jerry's home in um in Vancouver as we brought our um uh experience to to British Columbia and it was truly truly amazing as i look back on the last 20 months um so much has happened and and we look at the connection points how Alfred is connected to so many different aspects of my life and how you and Neil are and and um it's just been great but what what touched me the most um was the opportunity to get to know um Alfred Weber and his wife Jerry um in in an informal environment it wasn't like we met at a conference um and got to know each other you know in the lounge at night or, or stuff like that you know we we stayed at their home and and you really get insight into who people truly are when 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 that's the opportunity that you have to connect um and we'll we'll when when we bring Alfred on here in a moment um you know we'll we'll get his his background and everything i mean he is um a futurist he's a a journalist uh he's an author um and and what he truly is from my perspective is one of the strong foundation pieces of the truth movement and there is nothing that is going to keep Alfred Weber from playing his role in getting the information out there and um when you're playing at that level, uh, there's a lot of energies that um, would like to to shut you down. And what we see from Alfred over and over again, and particularly in the last week, week and a half, two weeks, is that this is not a being that can be shut down, that can be um, stifled, um, that 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 anyone can tread on. And so um so perfect for for Alfred to be the guest on tonight's broadcast um with with everything that's happening and I could just go on for, you know, the whole hour and a half about um how much respect I have for this man. Um but I'm going to cut right to the chase and and I'm just going to introduce for all of us tonight on Dream Reality New Earth Radio our very good friend, Alfred Weber. Alfred, are you there with us? Yes, I am. And my my much better other half, Cherry, says hi. Oh, <laughs> please send her 
send her our love. You know, it's it's interesting. Jerry has been you now you've been a guest on the on the broadcast uh recently we did um a broadcast promoting the um the Alchemy uh conference uh down Correct. here in Southern California and you were one of the speakers and so we had you on and that was that was great and now we get you on for your for the whole uh broadcast. We also um have had Jerry on uh, uh-huh. as our as our guest um i did that that broadcast uh from costa rica and so it's just really um a treat for us to have you here tonight thank you so much for making the time oh it's 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 my pleasure now before we dive into i mean so much to to talk about i i want to i want people to get a little bit of a um foundation on your background i mean Compared to what the information you're sharing now, your background, I would say, is is conservative. Would you would you go along with that? Well, uh, I I'm not sure. I was um, uh, given what you would call a fir- first. I am actually a pre-boomer, according to the cohort studies. I am uh, from the uh, from the quote. Silent generation, which is pre-boomer. <laughs> so uh, I'm slightly different than the boomer cohorts, and and uh, I was given a classical uh, a classical education um, uh, from my from my grammar school, and and from my from my prep school. I got the gold medal in in classical Greek. <laughs> Which I mean, how many people have gotten the gold medal in classical Greek from their prep school? <laughs> not not very many. It's kind of, you know, something out of Goodbye Mr. Chips, right? <laughs> so it it's 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 it, it's really scenes from a bygone era where I grew up. Uh, in uh, a rural sh- sugar mill in rural Cuba, it really was scenes from the 19th century. Our milk was delivered daily by oxen. Now, how many people have their milk delivered daily by oxen? I guess if you live in rural India, it you know you'd you'd have that you'd have that 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 kind of a scene. But rather than cars, when I was a teenager, I had horses, and you know, we—I I didn't have a car. I had a horse, and we, we used to go, you know, everywhere by 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 horse. So I, I sort of grew up in a in 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 a different era, and in a different world. Um, but I got a quote because of my parents that were oriented a certain way. And um, I received what would be called in uh, kind of before the postmodern era, a classical blue chip education of prep school, Yale undergraduate, uh, Yale law school, and a Fulbright. And then a Wall Street law firm, and then government. 
And then from government, I went into extraterrestrial studies. Now, so I want to I, 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 I stop you <laughs> right there because when I said that your background was conservative, <laughs> you kind of hesitated. But everything you just said points to a conservative background. And then I want to know what happened that took you from that kind of what on the surface anyway would appear to be a straight-laced kind of existence yeah. to, the sh to the shift. Yeah, well, you know, although it appeared to be a straight-laced um, life, I, I, I went through life experiences that not many people in the Matrix at that time were, were going through. For example, uh, uh, I grew up, again, in, in Cuba. My, my mother's family was a Scottish-Cuban family, uh, and and uh, uh, I actually lived through the Cuban Revolution. Um, and um, although Fidel Castro was a friend of some of my uncles, and I was told that he used to come to my grandmother's house for Sunday dinner growing up, because, you know, Cuba is a relatively small place. And uh, so I... I went through a social revolution, and I was actually jailed by both sides, both by the dictatorship and by the Castro the Castro Revolution. Um, and uh, it was through very narrow scrapes that I actually escaped going into deep prison down there, and ended up in my freshman year at Yale in 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 1960. Uh, uh, and it, it was because my my uncle was in the movie business in Cuba and knew Fidel Castro's sister, who was head of the Cuban Cinematographic Institute. And when I was jailed down there and held in a cell with about 15 other people, we were all jammed in there, we could only stand up. And... I, I was held on no charges. I mean, there was like no charges, right? And the word was that they were about to transport me to the local army division where I would have been toast uh, through a very mysterious set of circumstances. One of my aunts got to Fidel's sister who called up the lieutenant at the barracks that had the Cuban army lieutenant that had... Uh, arrested me and said, look, if you don't let that guy go, I'm going to bust you. And Cuba was still enough of a personalismo place that I got released. And, you know, about 10 days later, we were exiled from Cuba and in New Orleans, but my life would have been very different. So that's the type of life experiences that I've had growing up uh, where you you know, you're face-to-face you're, you're -face with kind of deep social up, upheavals. But uh, to to kind of illustrate where I went from a government position in the matrix working with someone who actually ran for U.S. president in, in 1973, uh, Mayor John Lindsay, and then immediately decided not to go that way, but uh, rather into 
the very very early stages of exopolitics. Toward the end of 1972, I was general counsel of the Environmental Protection Administration of New York, and I was a crusading environmental lawyer. And I was in the uh, papers at least at least once a week. I had shoulder-length hair. I had a huge mustache. It was kind of that 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 sort of thing. And I and I had a relatively large staff of equally uh, committed and crusading environmental lawyers who wanted to enforce uh, the uh, you know the air quality standards and the water quality standards and the noise the, the noise pollution laws and solid waste laws and all of that and internally i realized that the positivist paradigm that that we had been educated in kind of the refined philosophical materialist matrix uh was really not adequate and I began to read books like Psychic Discoveries Behind the Iron Curtain, which uh, you know really established the multidimensional and non-local character of human consciousness, and also began to read about uh, the other intelligent civilizations that coexist in this multiverse with us. And I, I reached out and and asked to meet some experts in it, and I met a a, a, a professor of uh, experimental psychology at Rutgers University who was also an expert in parapsychology and in extraterrestrial studies, and we met at the beginning of 1973, and uh, uh, that, that was when I decided, uh, Mayor John Lindsay decided he wanted to run for president, and I saw that I did not want to go that way, and I, I began more and more intensively uh, studying um, and learning in the multidimensional area in parapsychology and in uh, uh, extraterrestrial studies. So I, I I I resigned from my job in the government, and in early February of 1973, I had a profound multidimensional experience and I can date my life uh, from before that multidimensional experience and after that experience uh, and that's sort of uh, the date that the multiverse enrolled me as an exopolitician <laughs> and I've never looked back and that's what I've done full-time since now um, I want you just for for folks that aren't familiar to explain to us what um, exopolitics is. Yeah, uh, it, it, exopolitics is really a social science. It's like anthropology, but it's the anthropology of the multi-dimensional multiverse, and it's defined as the science of relations among intelligent civilizations in the multiverse. It, uh, it, it formally came into being with my uh, book, Exopolitics, that was written in the year 1999 and published online as a free book, just to kind of seed the, the field, in the year 2000. And then in the year 2005, 
It was published as a library book under the title Exopolitics, Politics, Government, and Law in the Universe. And um, uh, that's when I found out uh, through my colleague and uh, whistleblower uh, from uh, DARPA's Project Pegasus, uh, which in 1968 to 73 uh, developed um, a quantum axis Tesla-based time travel and teleportation. Andrew D. Bashago, who's a fellow attorney and member of the Washington State Bar and was a childhood participant that my book, Exopolitics, was actually time-traveled by DARPA and Project Pegasus on behalf of the CIA back to at least 1971. And there were three witnesses, eyewitnesses to its book, to, to that book back in, back in 1971. Uh, and at that time in 1971, I, as I just said, I was general counsel of the Environmental Protection and administration and I came under time travel surveillance of you know the NSA and you know the alphabet agencies and I felt like I was a character in the movie Enemy of the State which is a movie about a young lawyer who suddenly becomes a target of the NSA because you know it looks like there were spooks everywhere and and um, uh, I I describe, people can go to exopolitics.com and read about, even at that time, uh, part of my job was to go out and speak to public groups about the environment. And I was asked once by this organization to go and speak to its to its membership. Well, the guy came and picked me up, and we drove for two or three hours, and I said, gee, this doesn't look like an environmental group to me. And I, I ended up in this office building with about 50 people with suits and coats and ties and, you know, and, and turns out, and I got up and gave an environmental address, but all I felt was cognitive dissonance. It turns out that they were a room full of CIA agents and DARPA agents and Department of Defense agents who had, they had had access to my 2005 book, Exopolitics, and they had done time travel surveillance of me, you know, at this time in 2011, 2012, with all the whistleblowing I was doing now in the publications. And they wanted to see, hey, what does this guy look like in 1971? So I was being surveyed in real time, in the flesh, back in 1971. And it's that kind of cognitive dissonance that I've had over the last 40 or 50 years. I mean, this is really some some kind of wild stuff for a lot of people to, you know, digest um, that that all this goes on. I mean, and this is part of the information that you continue to put out there for all of us is you know i mean i i read your your posts as they as they come around and i mean more times than not i'm sitting there going oh my gosh this is you know like a path of me saying this is unbelievable you know this is so you know out there and what you're saying about about the book and everything like that it's really um 
it, it's it's it it really stretches us, doesn't it? Yes, and I would recommend people going to exopolitics.com, our our website, and there's an article there that we published called "Time Travel and Political Control." It was originally published in the Australian uh, in an Australian magazine, and. Uh, uh, just to give an idea that that these Tesla-based technologies, which could really be for the planet's benefit, for example, teleportation could, if released properly into the civilian marketplace, could virtually turn this planet into a paradise planet because you would eliminate all polluting fossil-based and nuclear-based fuels and all of the vehicles, you would eliminate airplanes, tri- trains, trucks, buses. You would eliminate all the super high- highways, all of the uh, inner city train, you know, railroad tracks, all of the uh, freeways in the city that, you know, writers like Jane Jacobs said has, have really killed the modern city. And, and, uh, uh, you would just, uh, you know, if people want to go uh, from, uh, you know, uh, Los Angeles to Paris, well, they just go to the Los Angeles teleport with their luggage, and 15 minutes later, they're in Paris. Uh, and and um, uh, and that's the kind of world that's a future world. And our colleague uh, Andy Bishago is part of his job in Project Pegasus as a six-year-old kid, they had to use gifted psychic children in the uh, time travel equipment at that time because adults had too many cognitive problems. They, they, they couldn't handle the different, the changes in, in uh, timeline and time context. And part of his job was to go from 1971, the early 1970s, to a forward time base that DARPA had established in the year 2045, where he would gather these time scrolls, in other words, materials prepared by the future to help the past get successfully to the future. And these are the the creative types of projects that this time science has actually done. Now, as long as we're um, touching on um, uh, Andrew Bishago, there one of the stories uh, that you have um, uh, put out there um, and made available for everyone has to do with um, Andy and um, William or, or Brett Stillings um, going to to Mars. Um, you know, talk to us a little bit about that, and then you know the the big piece of that. I mean, as if that's not a big enough piece. Um, tell us what the the other hook is in this story. Sure. Well, this is actually, I think, this is kind of the hub of the matter, and uh, there's a Lakota prophecy, uh, which I've recently lear- learned of, where the matrix in the 
in the words of a Lakota elder that in the in the kind of the end times which we're in now the matrix or the the kind of per- perceptual thought field that that uh that the uh, permanent war economy and the the uh Anunnaki Illuminati exploitative hierarchy attempts to uh imprison humanity in that it collapses in on itself and i think that this may be one of those one of those situations which may once it's fully exposed and we're in the process of of doing that now uh really uh uh, uh you know, lead to that type of an exposure. And um, uh, basically what has happened here with Andrew D. D. Bishago, and he's a member of the bar of of Washington State, as am I a member of the bar of District of Columbia, which means that we're both officers of the court, so that certain penalties attached to us if we go out making statements of public importance uh that uh, are false and and uh uh he has a colleague William Brett Stillings who was a former chrononaut uh as well a t- time traveler of the US government and uh both of them are independent whistleblowers and they jointly and congruently corroborate each other's story that between 1980 and 1983, they collaborated in and were part of the CIA's secret Mars visitation program. The mission of the Mars uh, visitation program was to place a large number of people on Mars. There's some estimates that there are about 500,000 U.S. Uh, personnel on Mars now. Those are some informal estimates. We we haven't gotten confirmation of that, but um, and and with the purpose of occupying Mars and actually making a territorial claim to it, kind of oh, it's the fifty first state. We'll just call it Mars. <laughs> and and uh, um, uh, so uh, what. Uh, uh, Brett and Andy have testified to publicly, uh, and they've done this, uh, you know, in the, in the public airwaves and and in and in print, is that um, uh, in 1980 they were enrolled with a number of other 18-year-olds uh, who were identified as people who would have future public impact uh, in a special. Mars training course held at the College of the Siskiyous, and this course was led by then Captain Captain Ed Dames, uh, who is now a fixture on the Coast to Coast radio program known as Major Ed Dames, and and uh, um, in that course there were two other significant uh, members of their course besides Andy and Brett. One was. Barry Satoro, uh, who later would become Barack Obama, the current 
president of the United States, and the other was Regina Dugan, who is the current uh, director of DARPA, the Defense Advanced Project Agency, that is the agency that actually developed uh, teleportation and time travel back in the 1968 to 73 period. So that what Andy and, and, and Brett say, and people can go to exopolitics.com, and the link to this article is right there at, at the top of the main page, and just click on it, and you'll get you know the full story. And there's also a four-hour uh, audio archive or three-hour audio archive from a coast-to-coast program uh, is that um, uh, uh, they went through this program and then uh, they also teleported to and were with Barack Obama on the surface of Mars. And they can publicly testify to this. And as well... Uh, Andy Bishago and Regina Dugan and Barry Satoro, a.k.a. Barack Obama. Barry Satoro, Satoro was his stepfather's name from the Philippines. Um, uh, was uh, They uh, teleported to Mars and... Uh, Brett, both Brett and Andy were with uh, Barack Obama on the surface of Mars, and they can describe quite intimately all of Barack Obama's movements on the surface of Mars. And they enrolled in this, were enrolled in this three-month seminar in which Obama, Dugan, and Andy Bishago were tasked with learning the Martian language and then given some intercepted communications with the underground human Martian civilization, and then asked to write a threat assessment as to whether or not this civilization was a threat to planet Earth. Um, And these documents, this threat assessment, then made its way into the presidential threat assessment, which became a 10,000-word document that after the the coast-to-coast interview, Andy was contacted by someone who actually had worked in the Reagan White House who had read that 10,000-word Martian threat assessment. So right when all of this is coming out was right when Barack Obama responded to the White House petition, which was on the White House website, which I signed, which I'm sure many people in the UFO and exopolitical community signed. We had large number of signatures uh, asking, you know, for disclosure of, of ET and UFO presence, and the answer to which was, you know, there's no proof that there is an extraterrestrial presence. This by a president who, according to independent whistleblowers, has not only been on Mars but was tasked with learning the Martian language. And the Martians are extraterrestrials. So here you have a president who is just out and out lying, you know, just giving a ball-faced lie 
and denying that there is extraterrestrials. And when he was tasked as an 18-year-old to learn the extraterrestrial language. So this is, this is happening at such a level, such a large level, that it seems to me that it's starting to rise to the level of the matrix collapsing on itself. Once this starts, once this starts to come up, and I'll give you a very clear example of what I mean, the matrix collapsing on itself. There was a news report that Sheriff, Sheriff Joe Arpaio, uh, who's in Phoenix, uh, the sheriff of Maricopa County. Now, he has a very mixed reputation of being very oppressive to the Hispanic population there. And at the same time, apparently he's a birther. That, that is, he is concerned about uh, whether or not Barack Obama is eligible uh, uh, for the U.S. presidency if he was not a U.S. citizen, i.e. if he was born in Kenya or s some other place, because there's ample evidence, and I've written an article about this, that the the birth certificate that President Barack Obama released from the White House is an obvious forgery, and you can go to exopolitics.com and read that particular article. Now, here we have evidence that Barack Obama, the issue, you know, was actually between 1980 and 83 involved in teleporting to Mars and was doing so from Pasadena and had enrolled in Columbia as a cover story for the um, at the request of the CIA, but really didn't attend Columbia, which is why the valedictorian of his 1983 classic, Columbia, interviewed a large number of political science graduates, and none of them could say that they ever knew anyone named Barack Obama, because he did not attend Columbia University, and that's why his grades are sealed, because he has no grades, because they were constructing the legend of Barack Obama, who in fact was a lifelong CIA operative, his grandparents having been, he's a third generation CIA operative, his grandparents having been in the OSS CIA, and his mother having been in CIA, his stepfather Satoro having been a CIA contractor um, in Indonesia, and and uh, his putative father, although he's not a genetic father, uh, Obama having been brought over under the CIA program to have all of these uh, sort of African uh, kind of CIA-friendly types. Uh, uh, and and uh, it appears that the whole birther controversy was created as a disinformation ploy to uh, de detract attention from the fact that Obama was, in fact, in the Mars Visitation Program. Uh and that's what all the missing years are about. Uh, there's a fellow, an attorney, 
in Washington State who's written a very good book that holds that Barack Obama is actually the illegitimate son of Malcolm X and his mother. Uh, 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 and, and so Barack Obama's actual mother, and and that would still make him eligible to to be uh, be be president now. As a journalist and as an activist and as a concerned constitutional lawyer, I've taught constitu- U.S. constitutional law at the University of Texas, uh, and I've been a um, a New York Civil Liberties attorney. In fact, I was a New York Civil Liberties cooperating attorney in the 1969 uh, Black Panther trial when the FBI tried to frame 21 Black Panthers for a plot to blow up the Statue of Liberty, and I defended an SDS uh, student in that in that trial uh, uh, with a brief that was circulated nationally. Uh, so I've always been concerned about civil civil liberties issues, and and um, uh, right now uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio of Phoenix. Arizona is is conducting a special in in investigation into uh Barack Obama's eligibility for the Arizona ballot in 2012 as president but Sheriff Joe Arpaio doesn't know about the whole CIA Mars visitation program and Barack Obama's apparent participation in that so uh today i was on the, in 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 the in in telephonic communication with the director of that special investigative unit on sheriff joe arpaio's staff at the sheriff's office of maricopa county in phoenix arizona and we'll begin to hopefully educate them and bring in the whole uh, participation of Barack Obama in the Mars in the Mars visitation program so that we can begin to get that on the public record. Now this is what I mean by the matrix collapsing on itself and this is kind of getting back to the theme of our program which is twenty twelve to twenty forty five co creating a positive timeline. What has occurred is that all of these plans, which are put together by by the creators of our matrix, you know, of the Anunnaki, Illuminati, exploitative hierarchy matrix, their plan was to foist a catastrophic timeline on humanity. Well, what has occurred is that I believe scientifically we have shifted onto a positive timeline. Uh if you if you timelines are kind of like if you go to a a um uh sort of a um a, a twelve lane highway and uh uh the 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 six lanes going going w- one way uh, uh, are positive uh, positive timelines. 
uh, and the six lanes going the other way are kind of negative timelines. So that if you're on the negative timelines, the most negative timeline can kind of be hell on earth. And the other way, the most positive timeline can be paradise on earth. And uh, I think that objectively we are we are in a situation of moving toward creating paradise on earth and that by 2025 we'll be in an objective uh, circumstance of landing paradise on earth. Now, I know that you have a lot of other questions, and I just want to beg your indulgence of having gotten that point of view out. Thanks. Hello? I'm on the I'm I'm on the edge of my seat here with everything you're saying. I have so many questions and the last thing I ever want to do um is jump in because this is truly fascinating information. It it you 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 you're not holding back from making waves and and I want to bring up something else that you've uh, been part of recently. Um, so as if uh, bringing this information to light and and really spearheading getting it out there about um, about uh, the the um, teleportation to Mars and and Obama being there. Um, in addition to all of that, in the last few weeks or in the last month, you have participated in a really. Um, what I would consider to be a really fascinating experience in Kuala Lumpur um, in the last few weeks. Uh, you were part of the war crimes tribunal um, involving Blair and Bush. I, I just want to hear a little bit about what that was like and um, you know what the results of that uh, uh, war crimes tribunal were. Sure. Well, uh, at that at that tribunal, uh, what the tribunal found after uh, two years of of of, of hearings uh, was that the tribunal issued a verdict finding U.S. President George W. Bush and former U.K. Prime Minister um, Tony Blair guilty of crimes against peace. Crimes against peace are the most serious of war crimes. They're a Nuremberg-level war crime, you know, equivalent to what the Nazis did in starting World War II, where 25 million people were killed. Here, uh, we have the situation of crimes against peace, where George W. Bush personally, and Tony Blair personally, uh, started through deception and deceit, which were shown and proved, uh, started and invaded Iraq in an unjustified invasion, which resulted in the deaths of 1.4 million Iraqis. So that verdict was handed down on November 22, 2011. And nobody planned that date, but it turned out to be a cosmic coincidence because that was the 48th anniversary of the assassination of President John F. Kennedy on November 22nd, uh, 1963. And we have photographic evidence, a photograph of George H.W. Bush 
George W. Bush's father next to the Texas School Depository Building in Dealey Plaza, where he was a covert CIA agent engaged as uh, one of the operational coordinators of the assassination, of the Kennedy assassination. Now, George H.W. Bush has not yet been brought to justice for that regicide and that war crime which he committed on that day. However, through, you know, they say the mills of God grind slowly, but they grind exceedingly fine. Uh, His son, George W. Bush, was brought to justice with his verdict handed down on November 22nd, 2011, for having started the war in Iraq, in which 1.4 million Iraqis died. Now, that doesn't just stop there, because the uh, at the verdict, we, the Kuala Lumpur War Crimes Tribunal is a duly constituted tribunal with its own uh, charter uh, and brought together under uh, jurisdiction of natural law and under a duly constituted non-governmental organization. And and um, uh, it's in its verdict, it directed the War Crimes Commission to uh, take the verdict and findings, not only to the International Criminal Court, but to the 117 nations that had signed, that have signed the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court, which is the treaty establishing the ICC, the, Inter- the, the International Criminal Court. And what that treaty does, and the kind of the war crimes prosecution and enforcement uh, uh, scenario that it envisioned was that it granted universal diction, jurisdiction to all of the nations uh, that signed it to prosecute uh, war crimes and arrest and prosecute and, and imprison war criminals in their national courts, and that they would be sort of the first line of prosecution of war criminals. So uh, what we did was to uh, uh, direct uh, uh, those hundred, the War Crimes Commission to go to each of the 117 nations and ask them to arrest and prosecute Bush and Blair under their universal war crimes jurisdiction. Now, we had an an, an early test of that in that um, uh, Im- immediately from Malaysia, I went to South Africa. And while I was in South Africa, who comes to the three neighboring African countries to South Africa but George W. Bush, (laughs) who's there on a kind of a, quote, goodwill visit. Now, is that a coincidence or what? And so the commission then goes and contacts the three governments and says, please arrest and prosecute George W. Bush. Well, it was just like a week that the verdict had been handed down, and this is something new to prosecute George W. Bush. But I, And so they, they couldn't move fast enough. But 
this is just getting started. So George W. Bush, his time is up. His time is up. And in fact, um, Laura Eisenhower was there with me at, in in Johannesburg at the um, at the uh, UFO Science and Consciousness Conference, and we were back in the green room where all the speakers are. And uh, um, Sandra Ma- Sandy May, who's the national president of the American Society of Dowsers, was back in the green room with us, and one of the uh, South African uh, women there uh, borrowed her dowsing rods and asked the question, is George W. Bush going to to uh, jail? And those dowsing rods went crazy, and they said twice, yes, he is. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so there you have it. So, <clears throat> Ilya, I know you want to jump in here. Yeah, I, I actually wanted to get back to um, what we were talking about a little bit earlier in regards to um, Obama and the Mars phenomenon and kind of bring together that with the boycott of Examiner.com because I know you, Alfred, have been writing for Examiner for quite some time now, and this article that you've posted has really shook up um, some people. So just talk a, a little bit about that if you can. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, what occurred to me is what's occurring to more and more uh, either people who are publishing or, or you know, uh, uh, whistleblowing in in these areas, and that is that we're the target of what's called Galactic Co-Intel Pro, and that is that alphabet agencies uh, and or through intermediaries come down on us and try to make life difficult for us. Uh, Now, uh, what happened to me is that uh, immediately after the verdict was issued in Malaysia, I was notified out of the blue. uh, I got the uh, notification when I was, I had a 24-hour layover in the Hong Kong airport uh, on my way to from Malaysia to South Africa, and I got this notification out of the blue that uh, my account at Examiner.com was under review, and that all Exopolitics accounts were under re- review. And uh, that I couldn't publish during this review, which would be over on December 5th, which coincidentally would be the first day that I would be back in my office after this trip. So the whole thing stank kind of the high heaven. Uh, Not only that, the owner, the billionaire owner, who's been named as one of the most greedy and exploitative billionaires around, uh, is a friend of George W. Bush. And this happened right after, uh, uh, you know, we we had we had handed down a verdict against Bush, and right after, uh, uh, I had published uh, the accounts of whistleblowers Andy Bishago, uh 
William Brett Stillings and Laura Magdalene Eisenhower uh, as to their experiences on the secret CIA Mars visitation program and secret Mars colony. So it, it seemed to me that this was a case of clear uh, galactic cointelpro uh, that uh, – there was another uh, exopolitical researcher, Dr. Michael Sala, who had a, a column, uh, the Honolulu Exopolitics Examiner. And even though the uh, examiner said that all exopolitics columns were being examined, his wasn't touched. So they were lying th- through their teeth. And uh about 25 of my key recent articles were just summarily taken down. The uh, the article on the Obama Mars visitation was taken down, and the bulk of the articles on the Andromeda Council, which is a reported intergalactic governance council of the Andromeda and Milky Way galaxies, were also taken down, along with other significant articles such as the fact with independent scientist Lorraine Murray that using official CDC data that by the end of 2011 there will be 100,000 excess deaths from the Fukush- in, in the United States from the Fukush- Fukushima radiation. Uh, from the Fukushima event of March 2011, which has been ferried across the Pacific using the HARP weather warfare capabilities as part of the global depopulation program. So all of that was summarily taken down, you know, in during this layover. And then when I arrived back in Vancouver on on December uh, 5th and said, hey, look, uh, you know, Michael Sala just published an article and you said that all exopolitics articles, you know, accounts were were under examination. And and I wrote the the, uh, the, uh, Pacific uh, director. Within one hour, he responded and took down. They said, no, you have violated... Your terms of, of of contract, you have published false and misleading information. And with that, they just shut down my entire column. Well, uh, they didn't cite any false or misleading information. And in fact, all, all of my information, all of my articles have multiple citations and multiple sources. And there is no false and misleading information there. And so we have started to migrate. Uh, It took me quite a while to put together all of the articles, which, you know, fortunately we were able to do, uh, and now started to migrate all of those articles over to exopolitics.com. But uh, it it was an attempted base hit. But you know something? I feel much freer now that I don't have, I'm not carrying the beast of the examiner, you know, whose owner is a friend of George W. Bush, who's a major chess piece for 
the matrix on on my back and uh uh you know it just feels like this is an integral part of the collapse of the matrix onto itself well there's no doubt alfred you are doing um you know some really uh, putting some amazing effort into um, getting this out there, um, and then, you know, to boot, having to deal with these energies that really, you know, don't want you to be doing any of this, um, you know, certainly my, my hat is off to you. Now, I want to pull us back a little bit to um, to tonight's topic, which is um, 2012 to 2025, creating a positive timeline for Earth. Um I want to talk. To, I, I'd like you to to address just that that range of dates, 2012 to 2025, and then um, you know I'd like you to address a, a little bit about you know what this really means for the listeners. You know how how things will be different, what we can expect, um, you know, and to, to address it along those lines for us, kind of um, cluing us into to how this is going to pan out for all of us. Sure. Well, well, right, right now, just to give the the uh, the the range of of the dates and why it is that I that I arrived at at those dates is kind of is kind of is kind of significant uh, to to. 2012 just means the now because we're we're just a couple of weeks to the end of 2011 and then we'll be in 2012 which is when 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 we'll be starting the most significant part of our transit through the galactic plane and the galactic equator and the most intense energies of frequencies higher frequency energies and hence uh the most impact on our consciousness and the most impact on our celestial body systems our our solar system the ecology uh, of of our earth and and the year 2025 maybe it's maybe it's maybe it's arbitrary but in december of uh 2010 I was very fortunate to attend uh, uh, a congress. The, it was the, the Congress of the New Light uh, on um, it, it, um, Ibiza, Spain, and um, uh, there I was uh, able. One of the presenters is a is a um, was a Spanish. Uh, Painter, artist that uh, was the founder of the uh, dimensional school. That that is, she paints, uh, and I'm and I'm looking at one of her paintings that she gave me, which is right on the wall of my office, and I'm actually looking at it right now. And and she, what she does is that her paintings, she paints them as interdimensional portals. So there's energy. Her her dimension is an actual portal, and her paintings have documented healing capacity because there's healing energy coming through the interdimensional portals that she creates in 
her paintings. And she, in her in her presentation, she said that she was given the information that uh, in 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 2023 is when humanity as a whole is really going to be open to first open to what we could call Christ Sophia consciousness and that by 2025 we'll be landing an objective condition of paradise on earth now that is what we can call the most positive of the timeline say that's that's where you're on that multi-lane highway and you've gone off to the most positive lane on the right there and you're in the most positive timeline and you're creating that holographic reality because we are in a time space hologram and you're creating that most holographic reality that we can call landing paradise on earth and it's almost like a three-dimensional or multi-dimensional computer program that defines the virtual reality that we find ourselves in. Because one of the experimental findings of the DARPA time travel program is that we, we, are, we actually live inside a time-space hologram that is artificially made, is, is an artificial construct of a higher intelligence, of an intelligent source. So we're living inside a carnival e-ride that you know, you can go one place on the dial and it's paradise on earth and you just dial it over and it's hell on earth. Because <laughs> this is an artificial experience for the development of souls. It's all relative. Yeah. So that's why I chose 2025. Uh, and by looking at 2012, which is when this consciousness first begins to land of unity consciousness, which we can call Christ consciousness. Uh, and it'll take that much to 2025 just to have the fullness of this transformation open up so that by 20, 2025, we will have driven our time-space holograph into so many more positive timelines that we're on par the paradise on earth timeline. Now, I could n now just start rolling out uh, uh, why and how the various alternatives that are available to us between now and 2025 and what the probabilities of each of these alternatives happening but i i want to stop at this point you know and just get a reality check and questionings from you now i am really uh, uh honored that you're here and listening to you talk has really brought up some questions for me and i'm looking on the exopolitics website and you talk about the andromedan council and the galactic federation of light and now with this whole shift that's happening, uh, it's also a dimensional shift. 
and you talk about moving into the fourth dimension. Now, some people out there that also talk about the dimensional shift talk about going to the fifth dimension. So I just want you to kind of talk about what you mean by going to the fourth dimension and also talk about the, the extraterrestrials that are involved in our process of evolution and how uh, we interact with them. Right. Th- those are really key questions um, uh, for what's happening uh, now and the process that, that, that we're in of dimensional shift and what does that exactly mean. Let me clarify what my position is as an exopolitician. For me, uh, uh, entities like the Andromeda Council are working hypotheses. That is, it's a working hypothesis that it is an intergalactic governance council. It looks like a duck. It walks like a duck. It quacks like a duck. Therefore, it might be a duck. But it also could be just an interdimensional phenomenon. But there's enough substance there that it could be what it says it is. But I just want to say that in all of this, the the kind of framework of analysis that I take is as an arm, arm's length scientist, an exopolitical scientist. I'm always observing the phenomenon and never fully enmeshed in it. And so what I can present are the different alternatives that different sources present as to the type of dimensional shift or consciousness shift. Sometimes what certain scientists, for example, Dr. Carl Johann Kalman of the University of Washington is saying, it's not so much a dimensional shift as a consciousness shift, but objectively, after this process is over, say in 2025, we will be in the third dimension of time-space still, but will be in unity consciousness rather than duality consciousness. What's the difference there? Unity consciousness is the consciousness of we are one. And duality consciousness is the consciousness of the other. For example, under duality consciousness is where you can have conflict, war, uh, uh, exploitation. You know, it's me versus the other. It's I win, you lose. That's duality consciousness versus we are one. It's win-win. And that's the basic shift, which can occur without necessarily uh, either planet Earth or the solar system or the galaxy or the universe having a dimensional shift, actually moving out of the third dimension of time-space into a fourth dimension, which is more... uh, more defined by the dimensions, by the uh, parameters of light than the parameters of time. Uh, so, uh, and so what we have are various alt- alternatives. And, and uh, these, again, are working hypotheses, and we just have to go down, uh, down the various timelines and also monitor reality as it's occurring, to see what is occurring. Uh, the proponents of that we're going into a dimensional shift 
Uh, well, there have been various schools. You've had the 11-11-11 school, and they've had their moment in history. And these, this was a school led uh, by certain people who, who will remain nameless, but who said that, oh, we're going to ascend to the fifth dimension on 11-11-11, November 11, 2011. And they, you know, wrote papers and had followings and all kinds of stuff. And guess what? They're still eating breakfast in the third dimension on today, December 13th, 2011. They did not ascend uh, to the fifth dimension on 2011. That was faulty thinking. So the issue is... Uh, not whether people think they're going to ascend, but whether or not it is a scientific certainty that this type of dimensional shift out of time space into a light-based existence where where we have a a transformation of our flesh and blood bodies into a crystalline-based light body occurs. Now, if we go to, for example, what the Andromeda Council says, they uh, their current literature maintains that we're in a two to three year process uh, uh, during which our entire solar system is moving to the fourth dimension. Uh, which is more of a dimension defined by light. And there are various differences between the fourth and fifth dimension. The fifth dimension is essentially a more refined dimension than the fourth, but you have to go to the fourth to get to the fifth. And that this is a natural occurrence and that by, by natural law, our solar system is ascending to the fourth dimension during the period 2012 to 2014. And again, there is complete human free will of opt-in and and opt-out. Those of us who wish to accompany planet Earth uh, during this dimensional shift can do so, and our bodies will transform uh, into a light body through a crystal-based transformational process. And those of us who don't, uh, we will be transported to some other third-dimensional experience. Uh, uh, and uh, post-2014, then, uh, the Earth will be in a fourth-dimensional state. We will be live from 6,000 to 10,000-year lifespan and have extraordinary lives. And you can go to exopolitics.com and there's a right-hand menu. Just click on the on a, a, a link there that says Andromeda Council articles and interviews. And there's a series of seven articles and seven interviews. And in each of the articles, we set out what the Andromeda Council is. And then we evaluate it from a scientific point of view. You know, is it plausible or probable or not? Now, so that is 
those are some of the processes that that may be happening between now and 2015. There's another governance council that I was privileged been privileged to communicate with, and that's the Council of Eight, which is a regional galactic governance council, a working hypothesis reported again that uh, uh, I I was able to uh, communicate and work with. Um, a late colleague, now uh, deceased, by the name of, uh, he, he was a lifelong NORAD officer, Stanley Fulham, a Canadian NORAD officer. And Stan, in the summer of 2010, wrote a book in which he said that the Council of Eight, these are regional galactic governance council of the Pleiadians, the Alpha Centaurians, and others, in charge of kind of this sector of the galaxy uh, are going to decloak their ships over New York City on October 13th, 2010. And lo and behold, on October 13th, 2010, there was a massive UFO showing over over New York. Uh, and I interviewed Stan after that. Six weeks later, he was dead from uh, abdominal cancer that had most plausibly been induced by frequency weapons, i.e. he was assassinated by the dark side. And before he died, he issued another communique from the Council of Eight saying that they would decloak their ships over Moscow and London in January of 2011, which did occur and which I documented. Again, you can go to... Uh, exopolitics.com for that information. Um, and and so, uh, uh, and what the Council of Eight said is that between 2011 and 2015 to 16, there will be enormous changes. There will be the collapse of the old order, the, the rise of a new order that's much more... Uh, uh, you know, much more democratically based, uh, much more sustainable, and uh, that uh, they would be appearing at the United Nations in 2015 or or 2016. So, so essentially, if we look at the period from 2011 or 2012 to 2025, we're going to have this period between 20. 11 or 2012 to 2014 or 15 with enormous amount of changes, collapse of the old order, uh, kind of a resurgence of a new sustainable order, uh, tremendous changes in consciousness, uh, probably uh, overt extraterrestrial contact by 2015 or 16, and then by 2025, the landing of paradise on Earth. In other words, from this position now, on December 13, 2011, wow, Earth is going to look much different than it <laughs> than it than it looks now. <laughs> wow, Alfred, I'm, now, I'm, I'm, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, sorry. <laughs> now, let, let me let me clarify one thing, and it's very important. There's another alternative, and that which I mentioned before, and that is that of Carl Johann Kalman. And what he says is that as of this time, as of October 28, 
the interdimensional portal at the core of our multiverse starts broadcasting waves of unity consciousness from duality to unity consciousness so that those waves of unity consciousness, we are one, are available to all minds on the planet. And that from now on, uh, organizations, entities, activities, which are congruent with unity consciousness are going to thrive. And activities such as war, you know, organizations, things that are associated with a new world order and duality are just going to dampen and fall away because they can't thrive in these new energies. And that's the process of change. And so that it's really we're going to become enlightened because of these new energies from the universe portal. Uh, And that that's the dimensional shift is our consciousness. But really by 2025, we're really in still third dimension of time space. We don't move up to the fourth or the fifth dimension. That's a different option. I myself am sort of with that option. I don't see the the necessity of trans of a dimensional shift to the fourth dimension, especially if as rather, especially as Homo sapiens was created, initially created as a new invention by a galactic consortium, we were created as a 12-strand DNA, light being in the third dimension, a very unusual being. And it was through the interloping of three predators, number one, the Anunnaki, uh, that began to interlope with us 280,000 to 100,000 years ago and dumb our DNA down. So, and then we have the the uh, inter- interloping of the Orion Grace and the Draco Reptilians that we're finally getting get, getting rid of now. So we we Homo sapiens have never really had our full chance to exercise ourselves as twelve strand DNA light beings in the third dimension. So it just seems to me that before we transit up to the fourth dimension, we want to be 12-strand DNA light beings in the third dimension. So it's just logical that we there's no need to 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 uh, transform up to the up to 4D yet. But that's just my logic, you know, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm I'm just uh enthralled by this entire conversation. Um, this evening, Alfred. Now we're on the the tail end here. I have um, we've got a, just a couple more minutes for you. I I have a question for you. Uh, how can we support your efforts and the efforts of uh, the truth truth movement at this time? And and just. Um, you know, give us, uh, remind us of any websites or, or anything that just gives us that empowerment that, that we can all assist this process. That, that's a very key, a very key, key issue. And, you know, I would say team spirit. (laughs) (laughs) I just call it team spirit. And I think that, you know, 
the more we stick together with team spirit and support ourselves and support each other, the better. Because we're we're all in this together, and we're all about transformation. And and people can go to exopolitics.com on a daily basis to see all this news. Uh, there are four key whistleblowers that I work with. Um, Laura Magdalene Eisenhower, Andrew Bishago, Brett Stillings. We were all identified uh, in the early 1970s by time travel that we would be working together. Uh, the Andromeda Council also, uh, uh, you know, this reported uh, uh, intergalactic Andromeda Milky Way Galaxy Governance Council uh, and their human representative, Tolek, who I've now interviewed in over seven uh, interviews, and I think he's the real item. He maintains a separation between his identity as Tolek, that's an Andromedan name, uh, and he was first contacted in the 90s and then recontacted again now that we're near the the beginning of the 2012 transition time, um, and and of course yourself, Doctor Dream, and and this widening circle of of uh, whistleblowers and activists and Ilya and communicators and Neil Gower and you know just all of us are beginning to come together. And and it says that that the power of team spirit, of acting as one, of what I would call unity consciousness, and and that that coherence and that awareness is just so powerful. Well, Alfred, I just want to thank you on behalf of myself, and of course. Ilya and all the listeners for um you know being on our broadcast tonight for for doing what you're doing out there and doing it um at the highest level and not letting anything any beings any energies or anything get in your way um I absolutely re-pledge my support to you in whatever way um I can and again thank you so much for being on tonight's broadcast Thank you. And thank you, Alfred, for me. I really appreciate it. Go ahead, Dr. Kirk. So just real quick, before before we end here, um, we have a very exciting event coming up on Thursday, December 29th from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. This is um, West Coast time. Uh, Myself, Dr. Dream, Laura Eisenhower, Brad Johnson, Alfred Weber, and very possibly Miriam Delicato, we'll find out about will be part of an online conference called Gateway to Galactic Remembrance. It's an online expo. Um, You'll be getting more information about that. And um, we are in the process of uh, possibly having a Mars show uh, next week. So um, we will get uh, more information out about that. We just want to thank everyone and, and just tremendous... Blessings of love to everyone, and um, share the truth. It's it's the only way to move through all of this. Thank you all so much. Have a wonderful evening. Good night.
Good night. Thank you.